0: This, this is
1: the Our Auto Expert podcast.
0: Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles.
1: Locally created, nationally celebrated, from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. but it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with, um, we're not sure, but Tiny or Automatic Andy, Hi. We, haven't, we haven't decided, and Truck Girl Jan. Hello, mm-hmm. world... And Andy was applauding before his name even
2: came. Out. <laughs> I just—I'm really excited today. Yeah, you are. I got the the caffeine, the bean juice is oh, the flowing bean in juice. my veins.
1: That's all it takes to have a upbeat radio show about
2: cars, bean juice, and enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be <laughs> clapping all
3: day. <laughs> he does that like when we go really to. Mine was really good a, this morning too. Yeah, well, uh, your bean juice. Yeah, you changed up your order. I did. Yeah. Thanks to right. Starbucks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not sure you can say that, but thanks, Starbucks. Yes, thank for making you. Making je- the day bearable for Jan. Uh, 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 all right, Andy, uh, you have now spent a week at my house. What do you think? Yeah, it's great.
2: I like, <clears throat> I like being at your place. It's it's a mix of being kind of at Hogwarts and Tony Stark's place. Really? Because you can talk to your house. Yeah, and that's it's very true, magical. Man
1: we do have a house you can talk to i mean i can open my garage door turn the lights on and off i can you know set the temperature in the garage do you is it weird that i keep my cars at a a certain temperature
2: no it's awesome it's so funny 68 in my garage (laughs) it's perfect
3: i do the same thing
1: yeah but my garage is is detached it's not part of the house oh that's true well Am I weird? Am I have an air conditioner no. in my garage? No, that's I feel I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking, who does this apart from rich guys in Florida that have Lamborghinis? I was like, I'm uh, weird.
3: people who have studios. Yeah, but I mean, I know? use it for
1: filming inside the garage, yeah. and we have a radio studio in there. But
3: right.
2: well, yeah, you have a lot of equipment, and you have a lot of a lot of hot cars. You got to keep. Got cool. Keep them that's why the whole place is like <laughs> wired. You know, twelve
1: thousand yeah. volts. If you mm. touch the wrong door, yeah. But just kidding. But um. Yeah, I just, I was thinking about that. Who else heats and cools their garage?
3: Like I said, I do. I have a, like a a little switch that I can put on, or that's on my hot water tank system. Yeah, for your garage. Yeah, and the furnace, the furnace kicks in and pumps pumps air into the garage.
1: Is that just called the flue that comes off the heater? You couldn't be bothered to run it to the roof. You ran it straight into the garage
3: no no it's actually <laughs> like a you're so funny <laughs> no because i've got my car in there and i want to keep it nice and warm you do yeah. oh
1: your your um camaro. uh 19 99,
3: 99 camaro right? you got
2: a 99 camaro mm-hmm.
1: yeah nice yeah it's like you don't mess with a camaro by the way because that that's when our nails come out
3: true Huh. Very true. Right.
1: She's okay. truck girl Jen until we get to talk about Camaros. Then she okay. becomes Catwoman Jen.
3: Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> um, and she likes... This just brings me to my next question. oh I know that, Andy, you lost your dad this year. Um, Jen and I still have our dads. But do you... Is do you, your car... Is your thoughts about cars... Was it influenced by your dad?
2: Yeah, that's... Yeah, it was because he was one of... He was like an encyclopedia. It was really weird. Of course, yeah. Because, How come I didn't know this? Well, we could go down the street, and all of us, every single one of my siblings, we we could we could drill him all the time. Dad, what what what's that? And he could know precisely the make, the model, the engine, the stats, like the 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 basic stuff. Depending on what it was, like if he was into it, into it, then he could go further. But like on paper, like the front stuff, he could he he knew everything.
3: That's awesome. I,
1: I feel like he should have been on my show a long time
2: oh, ago. Oh, he would have been the best sidekick for you, man. It would have been beautiful. Thanks. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so now Sorry. I got, Jack. Now I got you two. It's all
3: good. Wait I, a second. I, I there's,
1: I there's you two. <laughs> that's two of you. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, he would have been great. So he, he, I settled
1: for a quarter sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get the best, so I second the second and third best. Fight yeah. it out amongst yourselves. Let me like, yeah, you know who
2: wins. That's right. No, I, I'm not half of what he could have been.
1: Um, i think what happens is because this happened with me but i broke the mold my grandfather who died in 1968 but my grandfather hated fords mm-hmm. and my dad hated fords because my grandfather hated fords and he was a church church of england vicar like you would call it you know a pastor a priest right. or whatever here yeah. but he was a church of england vicar and he just didn't like fords and i actually don't know the whole story i should ask my dad well, my dad, um, you know, is still alive to get the story. But he just hated Fords. Mm-hmm. And so I happen to have a number of Fords that I own. And my dad's always like... I mean, you can see when he gets in it, he's already ready for a fight.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but there's no good reason for
1: it. Like, he's not been able to give me... I think he, he like, fix or repair daily was one of his oh, things. Oh, there's a few of them. But <laughs> one of the things about that is... You can say the same about any year. There's bad years of every vehicle, yes. like the 2015 Chevy Silverado. I think was a terrible year. A, there's a year that where well, the trucks that, didn't do well. No,
3: in Ram, I think it was the 18s and 19s well, had think, like transmission and, it, and issues. No,
1: that's earlier. I think earlier, but you know, like, and then we if you, if you talk about anything before 2014, the law was so different, right? And I don't know. I mean, unless I have opinions, but buying a used car—if I buy a used car that has more, you know, around eighty to one hundred fifty thousand miles in it—I'd always just go for a for a, you know a Honda or a Toyota or well, okay. Nissan, so they last a long time. Yeah,
3: but there's lots of variables in that too. Well, it's not the single law. I mean, no, I'm just saying like Chevy. Turns, Chevy vehicles are usually easier to repair yourself. No, were, not uh-huh. the
1: early Hondas. The early Hondas and Toyotas are super easy. Okay. It's only the newer ones that get more complicated when they get computers on board. But that was the whole point. That's how Toyota, Nissan and Honda came to the United States in the gas crisis of the late 60s and early 70s, where they were able to build. I mean, Honda especially built these little engines. Right. And they were a, a master engine builder, and so they just took one of their small engines and built a car around it. And the original Corolla was s- as small as the Mini, and they built vehicles around it. And th- that's the how they Civic conquered the 90s. Tiny. Yeah, I mean, it was they were, they were tiny, right. tiny vehicles. But you were talking
3: about Ford. And yeah, but, ch- and, but
1: yeah. I think your dads influence you. So, not re- so, your much dad was my- a Chevy guy, and now you're a Chevy girl.
3: Okay, first off, it, my family worked for GM. Not my family, but my uncles and my aunts.
1: So, your extended family worked for General Motors. Correct. See, but there you go. That's okay, another influencing opinion. But it's
3: not that. I mean, it, okay, no offense. That has nothing to, to do with it? No, okay, no offense to Ford or anything, but when I got my, was I was able to drive and pick my own cars. Yeah. I didn't like the what Ford was offering at the time. I didn't like the Taurus. I didn't like the uh, fiesta at that time. Right. you know. I, didn't, I, I just did dating yourself here. Yeah. yeah, I know. I ended up with a cavalier. The price was right. You know, it was a bigger vehicle at the time, dating myself. And <laughs> you know, and like again, it was easy to fix. But you had a
1: lot of family influence, like your family. Influence a lot of things about how you feel. Not everything, but they they do my, have influences. My on mom you.
3: had an Osmobile. Yeah. And then now, she, or she had a Kia, and then she has. But I'm talking about
1: how they influenced your choices. So your family were
3: a GN family, period. But my first car was a Renault. Right, but that was to do with price, right? No, that was to do with that was the car that I wanted. Okay, and
1: you had that for.
3: Oh, a long time until I, I blew it up. <laughs> right. Andy, what
1: was your dad? I mean, I remember your dad having a Toyota Corolla. No, uh, Camry.
2: Yeah, the, yeah, he did. He had a yeah,
1: Camry. But what did he have before the Camry?
2: He had a Hyundai.
1: So Asian cars were always in his thing?
2: Yeah, he didn't have, there wasn't, we didn't ha- I don't think we had any American cars, to be honest. Uh, so, no, that's wait. a lie. We had one, but no.
1: You drive Hyundai's. I do. And did that have? Did your dad have anything to do with that?
2: He did. He taught me a lot about them. Uh, he he used them a lot for the the economic portion of them right. because of the the giant family that we are. So it was easy for us to get around. You know the right. price of it. The price point was the 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 influencer there. I believe for him. Yeah.
3: But I do have to admit, though, that, I mean, my parents pushed the, you know, American jobs. I mean, way back when, you yeah. know, so, mm-hmm. so, but it so comes, that definitely. is in but that this,
1: place. This, again, is coming down to everything I just said. Your family really influences what you choose as vehicles. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and right now, I have to tell you, I'm driving that new Hyundai Tucson.
2: Yeah, it's nice. That
1: is amazing. My parents had one a while ago. I, I judge it against what they had. It now is the only vehicle that looks the same as the Lamborghini on the sides. It has those angular lines the same as the Urus. The grille has part of the lights. The uh, The tech on the inside with the big screens and the hybrid. I mean, I'm getting like 25 miles a gallon. And you know me, my right foot weighs 14 pounds heavier than my left foot. So I'm... Uh, you know I'm very <laughs> lead footed. Um, it beautiful sunroof. I mean the whole package. And I'm looking at this car and it starts like in the mid twenties. I'm like, yeah, they, like there's the still a value for money there with the uh, with the Korean cars.
3: Mm-hmm. And um, you know this job has expanded our horizons as well. You know right. you're right. I I'm deep down I'm a Chevy girl. Because both
1: of you really hate my BMW M8 competition. Oh don't you? see
3: yeah. Well seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah I hate it. Yeah.
3: With <laughs> with a passion. With a passion. Yeah. I do hate the
2: scrub wheel though. That's for real. I do. You mean hate the that uh thing. the i drive? No, the the thing that you where you ch- you where you choose the radio stations. Yeah. The i drive. The thing the wheel thing. Yeah. Oh. You don't like that? In between the seats. The iDrive. drive. Whatever that is called. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that thing. Is that, you call
3: it the I hate drive? Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, no, I hate the scrub wheel
1: thing. Uh, like you know, horses for courses. That's why there's a touchscreen and buttons below it and stuff, so you can do everything. Mm. We're thinking about you, Andy. I know. Uh, Automatic, Andy, truck girl, Jen, Nick Miles. We have a pack show coming up for you. We're going to talk to some people about their new vehicles. So stand by. Here it comes. You're
4: listening to Our Auto Expert.
1: Welcome back to Our Auto Expert radio show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, autoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with uh, Tiny or Automatic Andy, when he decides who he is. <laughs> I don't and, know, man. And uh, Truck Girl Jen. Uh, uh, Andy, you were saying that your dad had a Plymouth champ
2: it was probably one of the coolest cars i've ever been in
1: so first of all what year were you born
2: 81.
1: so you were born this car stopped production in 82 so it stopped production when you were one how when do you remember it how old were you
2: oh man probably early 90s because it was already a pos yeah by that time because i remember my my middle brother my by the uh, way that sounds
1: a piece of sunken metal (laughs) Get
2: he he bought it from my dad so it was around the house for a while okay and it was a glorious car it was beautiful
1: yeah I'm we obviously have different opinions <laughs> of glorious but <laughs> it's it's like a two-door so there was the the Plymouth champ and the Dodge Colt were basically the same vehicle that's when they used to just rebadge things but you know do you know what it was hmm. it was actually a Mitsubishi Mirage it was? Yeah, they just rebadged it for the United States.
2: Nuh-uh. Yeah. Well, no wonder I like the Mitsubishi Mirage or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite cars. Sold. There you well, no wonder I want one of those. Yeah. Have Mitsubishi. you seen
1: that? You should, you should look up the new Mitsubishi Mirage. Well, now I'm gonna. Yeah, just do it. You might not love it. Hmm. About $12,000 brand
2: new. Well, can we talk to Plymouth about bringing them back? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure
1: that our radio show, just on you know twenty radio stations across the United States, is going to make them spend billions of dollars to bring a car back. Well, what what's Which obviously the, only lasted three years, by the way, from 1979 to 1982.
2: Well, there's a chance. What's the what's the generation of the the kiddos that the '90s kids? Are those millennials? New
1: kids on the block. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh um <coughs> whoever those guys hey, millennials are millennials were born 82 i think 82 84 depends where my you my sons are millennials
2: so us they're those guys we there's a market there if they brought them back and put like something you know like yeah. a trendy like seagull doors I do total seagull market
1: door. seagull, you mean butterfly doors or gullwing gull- doors gun gull- gull- wing doors those two yeah that would be great that as well
2: yeah how about
3: scissor doors? Tes- tesla door <laughs> tesla doors scissor on a, doors would be cool yeah. yeah
2: and then like a like a touch screen done sold uh,
3: I, the, I was going
2: say, one. are you listening, Plymouth? Yeah, Plymouth. Oh, you now it, it now Stellantis.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the most the heaviest thing on there will probably be it the <laughs> Aren't you
1: glad that automatic <laughs> Andy is not in charge of your marketing department?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we make billions. It yeah. builds itself, guys. You, you have to spend
1: uh, you have to spend billions to make billions. That's what I, you said. It hey, a uh, couple things you should have a look at uh, if you mm-hmm. go to our Facebook page. Um, two pieces up there. So the story goes that some uh, I've seen the new Toyota Tundra. I was in Dallas. So I got to see it, but I'm not allowed to say anything. wasn't allowed to talk about it, take any photos. So they, they, they uh, uh, shooed me into a tent, mm-hmm. and they showed me this vehicle, which was great. It wasn't even a running, working vehicle. It was like a fiberglass body. Um, it was sort of a mock-up of what the vehicle was going to look like. And it looks pretty impressive. I mean it still looks like a tundra, but um the the face, I will tell you, I think I can stand next to the grill and the hood is actually taller than I am and I'm five three. I'm a I'm a um, an elven style <laughs> chap. I'm elven height. Yeah. Actually no, elves are tall, aren't they? I don't know, it depends which story you're into. But I'm I'm Elvin? Elven. Oh. Elvin, not Elvin, not
3: chipmunks. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Uh, elf. <laughs> oh, elf. Oh,
1: elf. Yes. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm I'm an elf. God, get it together. You should play more Magic: The Gathering. I don't know an, any of that. A, <laughs> does he look like a chipmunk? Okay. No. no. <laughs> I I am I am the height of an elf, and so mm. I I bet you this hood of this new Toyota Tundra comes above me. Great. Um, it's huge. So what happened is they were showing it to dealers. Some, and I I would love to know the backstory to this because this is this happened with a couple of generations ago Prius, somebody took a photo of the screen in which they showed it to them and posted it. Uh yeah. oh. Yeah. They broke embargo. Oh yeah. And so it got out there. Pictures got out there on the web. And you know what happened? Pink then flips. Toyota had to yeah well, last time they sued somebody over the Prius thing. So, and it was a, a catering worker at some dinner, took a picture of the car and posted it online. And the catering company had already signed a a deal. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, what happened was, ended up with, um, uh, the Toyota ends up releasing the pictures of the Tundra. If you want to see that, you can just go to our... Uh, sites, I think I posted on Facebook, our auto expert Facebook, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T Facebook site. And uh, I also post it on Instagram. So if you go and follow us on both, you can go see the pictures of the new Tundra. Uh, they're out there, which is interesting. Um, then there's a, a bunch of other like stories are starting to uh, hit the ground running. Um, there is... Uh, all the auto shows are coming back, so there's lots of chatter and new product being shown for the first time, uh, p- pictures sneaking out. Um I get to drive the new Bronco next week for the first time. Um I was the first person to ride in a new vehicle this week, which I'm not allowed to talk about, but I, as soon as they give me the clearance. Um,
3: Ooh, I like that grill. Do you? Yes. Yeah? Is that a bar underneath? I don't know. It I'm, looks like a light bar. Yeah. Yes, I think it is, and the lights are.
1: I don't know. They, you know, they look like a wine cork. The lights do, a wine corkscrew. No. So your hand would go on top like that. No. There, and then you'd unscrew a bottle of wine. Yeah. No. That's, that's what it, that's everyone's saying. You can
2: open bottles of wine on the grill. No, it no. looks like a light. Well, oh, because I would do that. Yeah, you sure you would?
1: You know what that? You know what? Never
3: had that before. It's Plymouth very tigeress. <laughs> it looks like it. It's very tiger.
2: Yeah, the champ could do that. Tigeress.
3: Yes. Doesn't it looks like a t- look? You it, it looks like a ad, tiger. Isn't
1: that weird? An ad popped up for the Tundra and the the current Tundra next to it, so you yeah. can look at them.
3: <clears throat> no, I, I think it look. I don't know. I like it. And you right. said
2: these oh. pictures are on our Auto Expert. Yeah,
3: I mean. Yeah, this is. See, the, I'm looking at the TRD Pro model, <clears throat> but it's beautiful.
1: Well, I see. That's what we do. Um, there is another new vehicle out there called the VW Taos. Uh, Mark Gillis is going to join us to talk about that. This is or Taos. Yes. I like to say tails because that's how the English say it. Um, and, and I want to talk about this because <laughs> it's it it's outstanding. <laughs> it's an outstanding vehicle. Um, there's one thing I want them to put on it, and I'm going to ask Mark if they'll do that. It needs an automatic trunk opener. I was waiting for that. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. But that will probably put the price up a $1,000. All right, more Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert
2: podcast.
1: Our Auto Expert, over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast, many more streamers. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy, or Tiny, depending on what day of the week you talk to him, and Truck Girl, Jen. Two million Americans get their news daily from Our Auto Expert. All right, so I got to uh, test drive this vehicle uh, twice. One was in the development stages at the uh in just outside phoenix uh, vw have an amazing test ground where they put uh they basically get the vehicles sort of in in finished base form and then they do all the tuning and uh stuff with them in in just outside phoenix and then i got to drive the final product in detroit um, and it is the new taos the VW smallest suv And there are quite a few amazing things about this SUV. First of all, um, I very rarely see an entry-level SUV that is the smallest in the line with Pirelli tires on. So that was very interesting. But joining us to talk about it is uh, Mark Gillies, of course. He is the man who has all the information about VW. So, Mark, uh, I'm reading articles about this vehicle. I'm talking to other journalists. Uh, It seems like what you were hoping for at least initially, the reaction to the Taos is absolutely happening. I mean, people are just stunned with the quality and, and what they got out of the vehicle.
5: Yeah, it's been very good. And initially, you know, the initial sales have kicked off as well, pretty well, so we're very happy with the car. Um, you know, I think it's it's a really good size, it's a good package, it's good fuel economy, uh, and I think, you know, again, it looks good. I mean, it looks like a, a sort of little butch, Cuck, which is what people want,
1: yeah. No, absolutely. The uh, when you don't always get this, I'm not, I I like. I like design and I like to know about it, but I don't always know why my eyes do certain things when I look around cars and why I like things and why I don't. So it's really good to get someone to walk around and explain why certain things were done on the vehicle Um, because you see, oh, that's why it looks this way or that's why it looks that way. And it was really nice to get a walk around of this in Detroit to sort of understand, oh, we did this because we wanted this to happen and we did that because we wanted that to happen. But I think the initial impression of the vehicle on the outside especially with the cladding on to make it look like it's a bit more raised with the angles to make it look very very square um, those type of things um, not too overly chromed but with some nice bright colors the initial impression is really good of the vehicle because it, it's – a lot of times I complain about this, Mark, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. A lot of companies make their their small SUVs, CUVs look like dead fish. I mean, they're just so bubbly and, you know, it's just it's just really like I, I look at them and go, oh, it's just – you know, I could have just taken that off the beach and thrown it in my uh, – <laughs> in my bag it's just really sad and and when someone puts some effort into these vehicles they can look great like this and you sort of really wanted to do that didn't you make it very sort of rugged and, and uh, you, you didn't want I, I guess when I think about it I always think about parents driving up to school to pick up or drop off kids and whether the kids want them to wait a block from the school or whether they want them to pull into the parking lot and this is definitely a pull into the parking lot vehicle right <laughs>
5: Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I think the other thing, you know, this this car's a nice size too. It's about nine inches shorter than the Tiguan, and it's got good rear seat room. It's got good trunk room. Um, it's kind of like, I, I guess, it's where compact SUVs used to be about five or six years ago, if you know what I mean. Um, and so the, the the package, I think, is pretty good. You know, we've got to the stage where all of the compact SUVs, like the, I don't know, the CRV and the you know, the Tiguan and so on are almost as big as things like Explorers were 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right. It's interesting, too. I think that what you've managed to do with this vehicle is it almost seems like technology has allowed you to be able to do more than a lot of other people that developed their vehicles three or four years ago, five years ago, because it seems like you managed to get a lot of small space, you know, use a lot of small space and use it very wisely. What makes me smile is the fact that you said something to me while we were in detroit is like we've always been really really good at making small fast dynamic cars and why why couldn't we do the same with an with a cuv or suv and that's absolutely right i mean why not and you did
5: yeah yeah i mean we we, you know we, we started out as a small car company and i think we package cars all because of that you know if you start out as a big car company um, you know, you never get the same space and fuel, fuel tank size and all that kind of stuff in in the same package. And I, I think you know that's something that Volkswagen does does very effectively. Um, I think it's one reason why the Atlas is so huge. It's basic again, it's small car packaging. People um, put the fuel tank in the right place so it doesn't waste space and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um I think that uh, did you expect some much excitement about the vehicle because um I know when you bring out something like an Atlas people get excited but I was quite I thought it was quite interesting how um there was so much excitement uh, around this and usually you don't expect excitement when you bring your smallest CUV out but you got it
5: Yeah it's good I think the reaction was terrific I think again you know as I say it's it's a it's a nice package I think the engine's right sized just 158 horsepower more importantly it's 184 pound feet of torque and you know with modern turbos and this one's got a very sophisticated variable geometry turbo you can get the power in as low as like 1600 1700 rpm so it makes them very very drivable um and and very usable whereas obviously a naturally aspirated aspirated engine you know torque doesn't really arrive until you get to like three
1: Right, that I mean, and 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 listening to talking about the engine and some of the engineering, you you get that sort of longer, thinner um, piston. You get coatings that you wouldn't normally see on vehicles of this size. So you're able to sort of get fuel combustion at a higher temperature. There's a lot of things happening here that don't normally arrive on such so a small vehicle, and you sort of it almost you stepped it up. So it's a challenge to everybody else, step up your game, put up something you may have seen on a vehicle in a higher class or a higher trim level, especially this, uh, the 1.5 liter engine. I mean, you spent a long time developing this and you did a really good job getting extra power and uh, extra sort of performance out of it. I mean, those numbers always, if the torque is higher than the horsepower, you know, this thing's going to be really good um on some uh, rougher roads as well uh if you go camping that sort of thing it's going to get in and out of the ditch a little better than something that has less torque
5: yeah and i think the other good thing is you know if you look at the front wheel drive version you're getting 36 mpg on the highway which is you know it's kind of thing you were getting out of hatchbacks again 10 years ago so you can get that you can really get the efficiency up with these modern engines um and again, as you allude to, with a lot of sophisticated technology that comes from, you know, much higher priced vehicles, you know, they've got the plasma coated cylinder liners. And I remember the first time I saw that when I was a journalist was actually it was Jaguar back in, the, I guess, the late 90s with the, the AJV8 engine. That was one of the first... Engines where they just plasma lined the the cylinder bores for reduced friction, and that's that's now coming down to a a car that's you know 22.995 off the showroom floor.
1: Right, that and to me that that is amazing. I think that's one of the things that Porsche like to do with their vehicles. Um, So I always feel like you're getting technology from a different class of vehicle uh, trickling into this vehicle. Um, the packaging also, the rear seat, It I never complain much about a rear seat unless I'm sitting in something that was really just the rear seat is there for insurance purposes. But the packaging in the rear seat, there seems to be massive. But you've always been good at that at VW. I was amazed at how much room there was in the rear seat of the Passat. It was it, it was crazy. And you've done it with this as well. It's almost like I have to take a walk to get to the seat in front of me. <laughs>
5: Yeah, that's good I mean it's it's about I think it's about 39 inch leg room or something like that so it's it's a it's a pretty good rear seat and you've got 65 cubic feet of luggage space as well with the seats down so it's a very practical package and as well you know obviously it's got all available all-wheel drive um, so you know if you need traction in winter you've got that available as well so it's, uh, and like I said, you know, it's based off the MQB platform, so it's, it's a, the, the underlying architecture of pretty much everything we we do, except for the I D four and it's just a supremely versatile package. You know, it goes all the way from a, a Golf GTI up through Towers up to, to the Atlas. So it's a it's a pretty pretty good architecture, and, and obviously the more vehicles you can spawn off the same architecture, um, in theory, hopefully the more money you can make as a company, but also the more value you can offer to customers.
1: I would say uh, very nicely done, well done, five stars. Um, the only thing I would ask is that in the next generation, maybe you could put an automatic trunk closer on it because I can't reach. But that, <laughs> that's the that's the only thing. Being being a, being a little guy, what's the starting price, Mark? Uh, so for
5: the for the front-wheel drive car, it's twenty two, nine nine five dollars and then for the all-wheel drive version, it's five, zero forty. And I'll be with the higher trims. It goes goes into the low thirties, I think, with the um highest trim, which is SEL.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, especially the SEL. I can't. I'm. I rack my brains about what else I'd want to see on the car, and there, there just isn't anything. It's all there. It's, uh, it's pretty much there. A lot of the things that I would never use on a car are not there. So, it's, uh, it's absolutely perfect uh, for me. Anyway, uh, It has all the things that I, I like in a vehicle. Um, on sale now. Can people go and uh, um, test drive them at the VW dealerships?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've sold the first. Couple of thousand actually. So, front-wheel drive cars are in the showrooms now, and all-wheel drive uh, cars will be getting in there uh, pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, be delighted to be a. Uh, listeners to
1: go and take a test drive. Yeah, it's just a good one. Mark Gillies is from VW, talking about the Taos. It's the brand new entry level VW SUV and I have to say it's probably my absolute favourite in the segment. I really, really do like it. Alright, coming up on the show we have more. In fact, we're going to find out exactly how North American car, truck and utility vehicle of the year works. You've probably seen the stickers and awards in showrooms. Now we're going to tell you how they get there. Coming up. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Back to Our Auto experts. Over 12,000 people have downloaded the show, and you can also reach us on social media. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Um, Our next guest has been a pal of uh, mine, guys, Andy and Jen. He's been a pal of mine for um, many, many years and he is on the North American uh, Jury who decides the car, truck and utility vehicle of the year so One of the things I've always wanted to explain to people how that works, but in his own right, he's a great journalist. Um, He's been a newspaper man. He's a writer. He's a a shooter. He's a video editor and a Spanish and English speaker and always got some uh, super interesting facts. In fact, some of his videos uh, get millions and millions of views online. His name is Javier Mota. Um welcome to the show, uh Javier. It's nice to have you along for the first time. I can't believe I've waited so long to have you as a guest on the show. <laughs> thank, um,
4: thank you, Nick, for that introduction. You didn't mention my uh Nobel Peace
1: uh uh award that I <laughs> oh yeah, Nobel Peace Prize, that's right. Uh and he's won the Nobel Peace Prize. No, I'm just kidding. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
4: really? no. Well thank you very much. My pleasure to be with you. Yes, and uh we've been uh on the road for many, many years, and uh, yeah, we should have done this before.
1: You started. Sure. You started your career as a newspaper man, right?
4: But, well, uh, news agencies. I used to work for UPI, Associated Press, and then I worked for the Miami Herald, and then Univision Online, the Spanish uh, language uh, TV network, where I, I developed the online division, or where I helped develop the online division. Uh, yeah, that's when I started covering tarts uh, almost uh, more than 20 years ago
1: now. Right, and, and now you're a sort of a staple. I mean, we meet probably two or three times a month as we travel the world uh, together and we've had some great experiences all around the world together, which has been an awful lot of fun.
3: Wait, is he your driving partner then? Many times.
1: Many times. Um,
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've never
0: had an accident or a ticket or anything. Right on. Nothing bad has ever happened.
1: No, I don't think we've ever had a disagreement either. Uh, We we both, our temperaments are both very, very similar. Like, we we get on, we both get that the job needs to be done, Uh, we will sacrifice lunch to get the shots that we Need. Nice. I mean, we're really like we know what needs to be done. Nice. um Yeah, it's it's all about you know uh, we'll see something and and Javier will go oh look at that and I'm go okay let's drive through that water. Yeah, he'll jump out with a camera and I'll drive through it five or six times. he will get a bunch of footage and then he'll share it with me, or he'll put the drone up and you know we That's just great. we just work really really well together and uh, which is really really nice and uh, super exciting. Um, Javier, so let's talk a little bit about the fact, well, you're on a couple of juries. You're on the North American uh, car jury, NACTOIT, it's called, and also you're on the World Car of the Year. So maybe you can explain those two organizations to us.
4: Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually was on the World Car Award, uh, award year um, before, like 2013 to 16. Uh, But back then, the NACTO wouldn't allow you to be on both. So when when actor approached me, invited me to be on the Jura, I I gave up the World Card of the Year Award because the North American Card of the Year Awards are more relevant for the U.S. market because obviously that's where we are. I know that the World Card of the Year Awards are global, but uh, honestly, for the U.S. manufacturers and, and all the other companies that operate here, they get more relevance to that because this is where they sell or used to be the place where they will used to sell more cars. So uh, North American car of the year, it's an independent award uh, 50 years uh, and it's not uh, affiliated to any publication. So we all belong to different outlets, TV, radio, internet, everything else. And then we go through three rounds of voting. I We just announced uh, last um, Thursday, the, the, the list of, um, candidates for 2022, and then we will go on and do the test rides uh, for the next few months. Then we have a short list to make a semifinal list, and then we go to one Harbor to do all the testing in in, uh, in, um, in a session where there's like three, four days, and we test everything and back to back, which is really important sometimes because sometimes you might drive a car today, and then you will see it again for the next six months and then you have to go and then like you don't remember every little detail so it's pretty good to have all those cars there together and then we will announce the semifinal, the final is in the LA hour Show and then the winners in January were the Detroit Auto Show when the yeah, Detroit Auto Show used to be held, so right. we'll see how it goes it's pretty interesting list I think this year
1: yeah it's 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 definitely and now the Detroit Show moved it's a bit uh, more difficult to, um, to get it out there, but uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, and the new category that you guys added was utility vehicle of the year. That was added maybe four or five years ago, uh, which was nice, because it separated trucks which had a bed yeah, from correct. SUVs, right?
4: Absolutely, yeah, it used to be like the F-150 was competing with uh, the, let's say the Sorrento, like it wasn't even fair, because they were completely different segments. and. Obviously, sometimes like the, the trucks are more popular than the SUV. so yeah, they made that decision. And maybe, to be honest with you, I will think about adding sometimes, or suggest adding sometimes, like an EV category, because now it's, it's getting blended with all the new models, but uh, it's going to become more relevant, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a very good uh, way to go about it. So, uh, who makes up the, the initial list of cars?
4: Well, it's a committee, obviously, and uh, it's based on uh, the fact that there's a completely new car produced or significant, significantly uh, renewed. So, for example, this year, which actually was a little bit of a surprise for me, the G, Genesis GV, G70 is again on the list, despite the fact it won in 2019. But Genesis just updated the car Significantly, so it's back again on the list. So it's a uh, it's based it's based on the, those facts. It has to be new or like modified enough to be different from the previous time it, it participated. Yeah, and it has to be on sale by the end of the year,
1: right?
4: This, uh, calendar year,
1: right? And so I'm looking down the list. I don't want to go over the list because I'm going to save that for the next break after the news. But I do want to, um, you know. It's, then what happens is you all get to vote the first round, and you end up with three. Is that how the next round works? No, no, no. If we
4: end up with a shorter list like this. This will be uh, some cars will be eliminated based on the fact that, for example, if you go to the truck, to the truck uh, category, I mean, I don't think nobody will even see the Tesla Cybertruck in person. Right, right. So that's going to be eliminated from that lease. So the, the, the lease gets short, and then we, we vote for uh, the, the final is, uh, in October.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that truck list, and I'm already telling you the three that I think it's going to get down to. But it's going to be interesting because you do have some interesting vehicles in there, too. Um, and we'll talk about that philosophy as well, because you've got things in there. And I'll tell you one of the vehicles right now that's on the list The uh, the for the truck of the year, you have the GMC Hummer EV and that's a vehicle that starts at eighty six thousand dollars and the launch edition which will be on sale at the end of the year is a hundred yeah, and six thousand dollars i know i i don't know if that's in the reach of everybody and this is supposed to be the people's car award really isn't it so it's
4: absolutely yeah that's one of the criteria it has to be the most uh, the car that makes the most impact for, for most consumers right. and yeah. that's our work. yeah but yeah I mean, we can we'll go see. over that because in the past few years In my opinion, you have
1: not won two years ago. We'll be back after the news to talk to Javier Mota.
0: You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast.
1: Welcome back to Our Auto Expert, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, on smartphone, online, on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Tiny or Automatic Andy, depending on what side of the bed he got out, and Truck Girl Jen. Ah. Uh, We're talking to Javier Mota. He is on the North American Car of the Year jury. He's also on the World Car of the Year jury, and we're talking about how the system works to get your vehicle, if you're a manufacturer, as mm-hmm. a winner. Um, you, they, they want you to drive everything, right, Javier? They, they send you these vehicles, they, they drive, they badger you into uh, to driving all of these vehicles constantly. So uh, every turn of the corner, uh, there's a vehicle waiting for you to get into. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's
4: absolutely true. And uh, that would be the, the the hope that everybody who is going to vote for a car will uh, drive it because I mean imagine if the members of the Academy would will vote for a movie that they have to watch for the yeah. Oscars right
2: yeah no that so, like be... you
4: really have to do that and uh, to be to make an honest decision you have to get into the car and that's why as I was mentioning with the Cybertruck I mean I don't think anybody will even see it before the end of the year so right. that car we can eliminate right right there.
1: The, I think the that, I think I have to say that the Cybertruck also won't be on sale by the end of the year because no, exactly. yeah know, because Austin is where they're building it and they've only just started putting the Model Three line together in Austin so the Cybertruck will come way after the Model Three because that's their um, that's their meat and potatoes. Um, which they make out of the Model 3, and the Model Y, sorry, not the Model 3, the Model Y is what they're making their money out of there. So I think they're probably going to get those up and running first. Let's go through some of these categories, Javier, um, and talk about the vehicle. So you just, uh, I presume you have them memorized. No, you probably have them on a note in front of you, but uh, talk about trucks. So tell me about the, the, the trucks that are on the list as candidates to be North American Truck of the Year so far.
4: Well, as you mentioned before, we separated the categories uh, uh, from uh, the truck and utility vehicles. So this year, for the first time, I think ever, we have eight vehicles as candidates, early candidates, for the, for the award. So we have the F-150 Raptor, the Maverick, the GMC Home EV that you mentioned, the new Hyundai Santa Cruz, Nissan Frontier, Rivian R1T, the Tesla, Cybertruck and the Toyota Tundra which actually made some news this week as I'm sure you already mentioned
1: yeah.
4: with the leaked pictures and, yeah. uh, with the But so I'm
1: yeah. glad it wasn't one of us who leaked the pictures. Yeah. and you know something <laughs> this is the second time that's where the, the, the Toyota's had that sort of leak happen I remember with the Prius, I think the last generation of the Prius, somebody leaked the pictures yeah. of it. So they've had some but, bad luck with that. Um, so the so let me ask some questions about this so, so the F-150 Raptor um, that's not considered to be a trim level, it's considered to be its own truck on its own, right?
4: Yeah, that's correct. That's the same thing that happened with the Ram 1500 TRX, which is uh, it, it shares the name or the part of the name with, uh, with the Ram 1500 but it's much bigger truck, heavier, much more powerful, different engine everything is different, in it. so that's why it's uh, it's allowed to be in the list. So the Raptor is going to be the same thing, it's going to be uh, sharing the name, the F-150 name, but it's, completely different. it's a completely different truck.
1: Right. And then uh, the Maverick, obviously, we just saw that for the first time. It comes as a standard hybrid front-wheel drive, or you can step up to an all-wheel drive with a, just a gasoline engine. Um, Ford just announced that, so they're presumably it'll be in showrooms by the end of the year? Yeah,
4: that's true. And actually, I think, I mean, that truck has gotten a lot of attention, even, I mean, obviously before it has gotten to, to sell. But I think that segment, uh, we, along with the uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz, is going to be a big hit for both manufacturers because that's something that uh, apparently a lot of people are looking for, like a smaller truck that can you drive around the city and not yeah. like have this... Uh, huge vehicle that doesn't keep in parking lots and all that, and you can still do a lot with
1: it. Right. I mean, I would tell you that, that out of this list that we just talked about, the Maverick, the Santa Cruz, and the Frontier are probably the favorites on that list, with the Tundra coming up into fourth position. So that's,
4: yeah, exactly. That's exactly my list. And I, I will... I will wouldn't be surprised if any of those four will win. I mean, we obviously we just saw a picture of the tundra. I mean, yeah. we actually
5: saw it in person, but we cannot talk anything about
4: right. it. Well, right uh, now, I, I
1: wonder if we can because you know all bets are off. Oh, uh, we can
5: talk about the picture.
4: Yeah,
1: we can't talk about the stats, obviously. Um,
4: <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, any of those four will be a good a good choice, I think, and and especially for for as we mentioned several times already. So the, a lot of the consumers, or the majority of the consumers, the Maverick, which starts, I mean, quote unquote, under $20,000, which is not completely true because that doesn't include the destination fee that is set by the manufacturer. So the other $20,000 um, initial price is it's really a marketing line because yeah. it really, it's more than that. But anyway... A, a very affordable truck, same as uh, the Santa Cruz is going to be around there. The Frontier, we, what we have seen already in the Nissan Next exhibits that have gone around the country, I think it looks really, really good, and we're going to yeah. go and drive it uh, next month. No, yeah. yes, next yeah. month in, yeah. in, in Salt Lake City. So I mean, outside Salt, Salt Lake City in Sundance. So I think that's going to be... The, the winner's going to be out of those four.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and... I do you think will Tundra be on uh, sale before the end of the year?
4: Well, I believe so. They haven't announced that we leave late, but uh, everybody's speculating that it might be in Chicago where they show it. Like the Chicago show is going to be very, very limited compared to what it was before the pandemic. They say they're going to show it there, but I mean, so we're in the middle of the year. I mean, it could be. It could be by on sale by the end of the year, and then they will qualify. Otherwise, it won't Anyone right. participate.
1: Yeah, because next year, of course, the Lightning will be on this list. So yeah, and it's going to win. You
4: can
1: Unless somebody comes up with something we don't know about, it looks like uh, it, it's going to have a really good chance of winning. Um, Yeah. The Lightning. So, all right. So we come down. And so, my three, I think, out of those three, I will tell you that the Maverick probably stands the best chance, followed by the Santa Cruz, followed by the Nissan Frontier, in my opinion. And I'm not on any juries. And and uh, that's by choice. Uh, utility of the year. This list is way too long to go down. Massive. Yeah. yeah it's. Uh, but there are some significant but that's vehicles. What, that's
4: where the market is going. I mean, yeah. a lot of the consumers. It's like seventy thirty now, like according to some manufacturers. So I mean, it makes sense. And and here, even though the the, the list is long and like very very good. Vehicles, I can tell you that the Bronco is going to win. <laughs> now, yeah, I for think, many different reasons. I, <laughs> I mean, mean I, we can like skip the whole
5: process.
1: I would tell you that I think the Bronco would have a really good chance of winning, but there are some really notable vehicles on this list. Uh, no, there the, are. The GV70, which is not really Amazing. been been, it's sort of been seen teased about, but we don't have super amounts of information. Uh, which is the uh, the smallest SUV from Genesis? The new Ionic Five, which is Hyundai's new all-electric vehicle. Um, the the one vehicle that I have to tell you is the Jeep, which surprised me, is the Jeep um, Grand Wagon, uh, the Grand Cherokee, and the Wagoneer. Those two are both on the list. Uh,
4: there. Oh, they are, and they're great vehicles. We were we were there in Detroit a couple of weeks ago. last week. Was it but, yeah
3: yeah. Last week, uh, yeah,
4: I mean, uh, we went to the factory and everything. And I, the Grand Cherokee Elders, which is uh, the one we, we test drove the, uh, there a couple of weeks ago, it's really a fantastic car. It's like a 3 row SUV, very luxurious. And I was in my comments on my video review, I said that it's better and less pricey than a quote-unquote luxury. Yeah. I mean, because you see the technology, the materials, the design, and the capability of a true Jeep car, or SUV, and like, you are surprised because you cannot spend more than 70000 around $70,000. Right. If you do a comparison to a Mercedes-Benz, an Audi, a BMW, a Land Rover, I mean, you will yep. spend at least another $50,000 before you get into anything similar that the, the Grand Cherokee offers. Um, so, I mean, that's yep, a really good yep. value.
1: And then, if you want to see the whole list, by the way, you can go to NorthAmericanCarOfTheYear.org and see the whole list. There's so many on that list. I we could go down. I in the last minute and a half, I want to talk a little bit about the car of the year. There are a couple of vehicles on here. I think there's three that probably, maybe four that could win this. Um, I think the Genesis G70, the uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS, the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. Uh, uh, definitely a uh, good possibilities is to win this on here. Anything else that you would think would win on the, the car of the year?
4: Well, I think we go by the, by the criteria that it has to be a car that impacts a lot of consumers. I mean, we Civic. have to see the Civic, again yeah. because those cars are always a huge value, I mean, they give you a lot for your money, they last forever, and uh, but we haven't seen it. Um, the Mercedes-Benz, unfortunately, is like a fantastic car. I mean, you can expect, I mean, it's a, they're a flagship, so you just can't imagine if I could be The problem in this award is that it starts above $100,000. Yeah. And similar thing with the GMC, yeah. former EV, it's hard to, to give a, a vote for that car, although it has all the qualities to be included as car right. every year. I mean, if it weren't for that limitation, maybe... It, it will get a lot of votes because it's a fantastic car. I can yeah. tell you, a car that one win is the Maserati MC20. I yeah. don't even know what's in the list because I mean it's like an exotic, uh, almost yeah, it's crazy one-off yeah. car. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, but or, uh, or unfortunately for them, the karma that they're putting a lot of effort
1: in this uh, development. But of they're, the not, they're not six. winners, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. uh, They're not winners. Uh, Javier Mota. You can find him on all social media channels. Excuse me. Or you can find him on uh, on YouTube as well. Go look him up. M O T A. He's got some incredible stuff out here, and you're going to be hearing a lot more from him on the show too. Thank you, Javier, for joining us today. Stand by. There is more. Our auto expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside-the-car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. I uh, I enjoyed being on the launch of the last edition of the uh, Chevy Equinox. It was a fun vehicle to be on, and especially I'm very inspired, very, very inspired. And Chevrolet have done this. Ford have actually done this as well, where the chief engineer of a vehicle is a, is a female. Um, it's really nice to see them do a lot of things that I think that have been not done in the past. So um, she, one of the things that she did was made sure that there was enough room in the center console to put her purse into things. Um, so that was uh, pretty cool to see somebody do that, and also look at the features. So it's really nice when that happens. And to join uh, joining us to talk about the new uh, Chevy Equinox for 2021 is Shad Bulch. So Shad, this has been uh, really meat and potatoes, a staple vehicle for Chevrolet. Uh, the 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 Equinox has been one of those big money makers, especially the SUV line for Chevrolet. It's still a big big seller for you, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, Nick, it sure is. It's, you know, the, the crossover segment is just so hot right now, and we literally, Chevy cannot build these fast enough. They just, the minute they arrive on the dealer showroom, they're gone. It is the hot segment, and it's because it gives you just the best of all worlds. It has good fuel economy, but utility as well. You can haul people, haul your things, and with the amount of technology that comes with them these days, it's just really hard to beat.
1: I love the idea that, um, and, and several manufacturers are doing this, but including these sort of blacked out versions, Midnight Edition is the name of the trim level that you're doing it. I, I went and sort of priced the Midnight Edition. If you were to go to an aftermarket shop and ask them to spray your wheels, put the black plastic on, do all the things that we're asking them to do, it's, it would cost you up to $5,000 more Maybe even more than that, depending on how much is on the vehicle, just to have all those things taken off your regular vehicle and turned black. But now you do it in the factory and you do it for a lot less, right?
0: That's absolutely right. And if there's one thing that we have learned through this hot market of crossovers, it's that these special editions or these unique trim packages, the more that we do out of the showroom, the more that the customers will come into the showroom and actually buy them. People like customization. They like having a vehicle that reflects their personality. The Midnight Edition is that for sure. It takes the the crossover and, and takes it to a whole new level of, you know, uh, sinister, and it looks just like a completely different vehicle. But you're right. When we do it in the showroom, there's no worry about warranties getting avoided. You can right. bring anything back in for service. All of that good stuff.
1: I love that idea and it makes it also it's done properly too. You know, if it's done at the factory, um it's done properly. You also have something called a red line edition on the premiere version of the Equinox. So what what does that give you?
0: Yeah, so the red line edition is sort of our it's our performance inspired uh, trim package for Equinox and it just adds a few little um, interesting design features. So there's a, a marking on the wheels, there's red stitching on the interior there's a few little red line badges that come with the car, and it basically just it it, it, it ensures that whoever is driving it has taken it feels like they've taken it to the next level. It's the same; it's still the same vehicle as you know the any any model that you buy for an Equinox lineup, but it just it has a, a completely different appearance package that just ups the game a little bit.
1: Because I feel very much like <clears throat> Jen would be the red line Edition because <laughs> it would you know it's slightly more sporty. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely uh, Andy would be the uh, the Midnight Edition because he plays Magic the Gathering, and that's something that someone with Magic the Gathering would drive, right, Andy?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> into getting it right now. Yeah, absolutely. The,
1: uh, what comes new for 2021? Well,
0: uh, actually, I mean, let's talk about 2022. That's what's starting to oh. hit the showroom sooner than later. Ooh. Yeah, so, yeah and and I think Jen's going to dig this one. So new for 22. this is the first time that we're going to have the R.S model available on equinox Nice, and that is just you know that's iconic chevy performance and it just looks the part
1: (laughs) um i like the rs too because you had that in the blazer as well didn't you that's
0: correct that's correct and if you look at the take rate of the rs trim on the blazer it is by far the the most popular package for that vehicle so it just makes sense people love it let's Uh, bring it into the equinox
1: that's real cool is there other new stuff that's coming into the 22s
0: So we still have the same propulsion system, the 1.5-liter turbo, uh, the six-speed transmission. So You're getting a great fuel economy. There are a few new colors that come for 2022. Blue glow metallic, iron gray metallic, and then, of course, the cherry red tint coat. Those are all standard uh, colors that are going to be available for the 2022 Equinox. And then the best thing is the connectivity. The, The wireless Apple CarPlay and the wireless Android Auto means that you don't have to connect your device to charge. Or to play it in the vehicle.
1: Yeah, that's perfect because once you get in, then it just steps it up, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's there's the
0: whole idea is that one, it's it's much more convenient to not have to carry a cord, but also. Presumably, you'll leave it in your pocket or in your handbag, your device, and then therefore not get distracted while driving.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes it uh, a win for me. Plus, getting LEDs and, and all those sort of extras uh, really is a win for me as well. And uh, now now I see the front parking and rear parking sensors, the automatic parking assist as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the safety technology is becoming more standard even on the base model. So you get the rear vision camera you get some pedestrian braking, lane keep assist, all of these safety features. It just makes sense that we should start offering them without you know having to force you to buy a, a uh, go up in trim level. So there's a lot of that. The interior is all updated for 22. It is mm. it's pretty much a completely new vehicle when you look at the cosmetic side
1: of it. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now too, and not, the big armrest in between the seats is absolutely perfect in that. Uh, you know, so you now have places to put all your stuff. Let's uh, talk about: Do we know pricing and availability? When will when will it be available? And uh, do we know where it's going to start pricing wise?
0: Yeah, so this, the pricing will be about the same. It's less than twenty four thousand dollars for you know the entry level model. So I think it's twenty three eight, and uh, we're we're holding it at that. And these should be showing up in showrooms later this summer.
1: Good. Uh, If you want to test drive one, uh, Equinox has always been one of my favorite vehicles. Uh, Now, with all of those extras for 2022... Which, uh, um, that was a misread by me, but uh, I have to start thinking a year ahead when I talk about new vehicles. For 2022, that is a home win uh, for Chevrolet, and I can't wait to see all of the updates for this year. Shad Balch is from Chevrolet. He is the communications guy if you want to know anything about any of their vehicles. All right, stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way.
0: You're listening to the Our Auto Expert
2: podcast.
1: This is Our Auto Expert radio show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just us at Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. He joins us every single week. He is an independent analyst and investor, Anton Woolman. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. Anton, looks like we're two-thirds of the way into June, and uh, here is where Tesla stand in Europe. Tell me about it.
6: Yeah, so Nick, so we have daily uh, delivery data, daily customer sales data from three countries in Europe, so we are very much up to date. And that is very important, Nick, in the third month of the quarter, which is when Tesla typically has most of its sales, those three countries are in order. First of all, Spain, which is a very small country for EV sales, but Tesla is having, from what I can see, its best month ever in the country of Spain. Why that is the case, I honestly couldn't tell you, but I'm merely reporting the fact that they're doing great in that very small EV market. In contrast, Nick, in the Netherlands, which has been, if not the largest, certainly in the top three almost every month for the last two years, they're doing very, very poorly. On the other hand, I can tell from all the other electric vehicles in the Netherlands that they are also doing pretty poorly. So that could be a market-wide reason for this, maybe a tax incentive that takes into place after the next month or something like that that customers are waiting for but something is going on there tesla as well as others isn't selling a lot of cars this quarter and finally we have norway the earliest ev market in terms of becoming the largest market for evs as a percentage of the total and because the percentage is so high it's actually even pretty large in absolute terms Tesla is sort of doing almost kind of okay. It's not a total catastrophe, but at the end of the day, uh, there are so many competitors there now that even though Tesla may come near the lead this quarter, um, you know it, it still was a very small uh, market share in the big scheme of things. So just because you are the market share leader, it's not like in web browsers or in operating systems for smartphones, where if you're the market share leader, you have 70% market share. Market share leader here may mean you have 5% of the market. So Tesla is a player there. They haven't fallen off the cliff, but it's still a pretty small number for Tesla.
1: Yeah, and I think overall, when we look at the graph year to year, um, are they down or are they level? Are they up? Yes.
6: No, They are. so in all of these countries, with the possible exception of Spain, all of the larger countries, uh, basically the trend is uh, mostly down. With a couple of other countries, France, for example, has come out of nowhere a little bit, so they're doing a little bit better in France. But in almost all the other countries in Europe, uh, Tesla has been on a downward spiral here for the last uh, year, almost two years now, after they peaked a couple of years ago, in, uh, you know, roughly around the middle of uh, 2019.
1: And, and obviously when we talk about this, it's very relative, places like the Netherlands, it backs up onto Germany, where the VW uh, vehicles are all made and uh, the home of VW. And when you think about that, you think about ID4, ID3, which is only sold in Europe, uh, not sold in the United States at least. And th- those vehicles are powerhouses. So Tesla have got some fierce competition that really only kicked in in the last uh, 12, 18 months.
6: Yeah, not even 12 months, Nick. We're talking in many cases here just the last six or so months. And the Skoda ENIAC, for example, which is essentially a rebadged or slightly just gently reskinned Volkswagen ID4 is really the big sensation in Europe for this quarter, along with, of all things, the Ford Mustang Mach E, which took the sales leadership here in May and is still doing strong here in June. So, uh, certainly, all of these things are weighing on uh, Tesla's market share in Europe in a pretty significant way.
1: And of course, moving their production to headquarters to Austin, where we have seen some Model Ys now uh, from aerial photography uh, being maybe slowly produced or experimentally produced there at that factory. Um, so they're obviously having uh, putting a lot of energy into into the United States um, and the Europeans uh, vehicles. Are they coming from United States? Are they coming from uh, China? Because we know they were building factories in Europe, but are those factories producing now.
6: No, so Tesla's building one factory in Europe, uh, outside of Berlin. Uh, It was meant to go online here in the middle of 2021. I think I told you about a year ago, I said, there's no way this is going to happen quite on time. And, of course, now we're probably at least about six months away from them producing cars in any meaningful way. And you have to be careful, also, Nick, when Tesla says they're producing something – uh, you know, <laughs> a, usual, a regular automaker when they start pre-production, it takes them at a minimum several months to go from uh, getting the early bills out to getting the units that they actually. Ship to paying customers. Right. So usually, an automaker takes six, nine, twelve months in some cases from early builds of these things, and then they make another three, four hundred units, and then they make another three, four hundred units, and they test them uh, like crazy. And then, then eventually, when all of these things are signed off on, they go out to customers. Tesla doesn't do it that way. They basically take their earliest prototypes in some cases and say, all right, well, let's find uh, 25 really uh, close people to our nice. company who will not be complaining so much and let, let's have them try it out for a couple of months and see how it goes.
1: Right, as seen with the uh, Model S Plaid, right?
6: So, for example, they take that factory in uh, just outside of uh, the uh, Austin, Texas airport. There were some early builds of the Model Y floating around there. But as you'll notice in that building, that building doesn't have walls on it yeah. yet. The reason you're able to see these cars is because they haven't put in the walls yet. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like a tent without sides almost. Now, this is going to be a beautiful factory, no doubt. I mean, that campus will be absolutely gorgeous and all the nice trimmings in every which way once it is finished. But a normal auto this stage of the game, I mean, this is still in the construction phase. Tesla is going to sort of try to get a few cars out of there by the end of the year in order to say, hey, we're shipping cars out of here. Well, under their definition yet, a normal automaker would not define it in that manner. Yes.
1: Uh, What are we looking for between now and the end of the year for Tesla? Are they going to manage to pull themselves together or do you see it as a continued decline?
6: Well, the biggest mystery in uh, Tesla has been kind of the same as for the last year or so, which is really what's going on in China in terms of what is or isn't going on there. Because sales, while it has been trending generally upwards here during the first half of the year because Tesla added the Model Y in the early part of the year, it hasn't been trending up a lot. And when you're looking at the capacity that Tesla has installed in China, I mean, we're talking about them not really uh, making or at least selling as many cars as they ought to given the installed capacity. And when you have an auto factory, you have to make at least about 85% of the capacity in order for that factory to break even. And Tesla's nowhere near that at this point. And in the beginning, you remember, may also remember Nick that they were going to make this factory in China in order to satisfy exclusively the Chinese demand because it was going to be so huge. Now we're finding out that they're putting cars on boats to Europe because they clearly they can't get rid of these cars in China. So something's going to come to a head here, Nick, within the next quarter or so. And uh, I mean, I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, I mean, look, Tesla is clearly shipping a lot of cars, but trying to figure out where they are really going. Are they really going to real customers? We've been seeing them on parking lots at CATL, their battery supplier in China. Why are there so many of those cars sitting there? Are they selling them to their battery supplier? Huh. Are they doing them a favor? We don't know the answers for sure to these questions, Nick, but clearly uh, there's something that is not quite right in that situation, and it may uh, uncover itself over the next couple of months.
1: All right. Well, is there a difference between the European model and, and the Chinese model? Do they have to make production changes? I presume even just the, the, the plug-in power. Yeah, the
6: main one is the battery, Nick. So there are some, there are some other uh, little items that have changed on the vehicle, but the one significant one, One is the battery so they have a local battery supplier in china there the catl one so the battery is completely different than the one that they have uh, for their production in uh, in california those batteries come from their factory in nevada and they are essentially made by uh, panasonic inside the uh uh, Tesla building outside of Reno. So that's a very different kind of battery, Nick. The one that they come, that they put in the cars in China now, the new cars, it's just a completely different supplier and a completely different chemistry and all
1: that. Yeah, it might be interesting to see the cars that show up in Europe that were made in China, whether they're going to uh, identify them as uh, Chinese-made and uh, see what
6: is I believe Chinese. the ones that are showing up in Europe are indeed labeled as such. I have seen that, for example, in Norway whereby it is clearly stated in there and made in China on those cars. And it's a little bit inconclusive as of yet, uh, the customer feedback on that. So we should have more news about that pretty soon, since this is a fairly uh, new phenomenon, Nick, in terms of these vehicles from China showing up in Europe. So in the coming weeks, I expect to have a lot more feedback on that. But as of yet, I would put it in the uh, inconclusive category.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Polestar making a BEV vehicle in South Carolina. Good news for jobs.
6: Yeah, so basically you may uh, recall that uh, a little over almost three years ago now, in summer of 2018, Volvo, which is effectively Polestar's corporate parent, they opened their factory in South Carolina and they started making the S60 sedan which was kind of an odd choice if you think about it, Nick, because who buys sedans anymore? Well, they're not popular in Europe. They're not popular in North America. And these things aren't being exported you know, uh, to a whole, you know, significant other markets. So I think the annual production volume is barely 30,000 units. You can imagine that factory sized for at least 150,000 units for it to be uh, profitable. So clearly that is a factory that's been losing money. Uh, The next vehicle is going to come online in just a few months, which is the Volvo XC90, the all-new next-generation XC90. And now we just learned this week that in addition to that, under the Polestar brand, they're also going to be making... A pure battery electric vehicle, a BEV, uh, in that factory, also starting in a little bit over a year from now. So, and that won't be the last one, by the way. There will obviously be a Volvo branded variant thereof, also in, within, you know, probably a few months after that. In turn, so clearly that factory is finally, after years of delays and mishaps, going to hopefully have a prayer at uh, reaching uh, a, a profitable production volume.
1: Good for Volvo and good for Polestar. I think uh, it's about time that uh, they got some solid U.S. roots and they make good cars as well. Anton Wall is an independent analyst and an investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha and The Street. Nobody else has as much information as he does when it comes to autonomy, electric cars and the auto industry around that, especially in Europe. Our Auto Expert continues. Stand by. More to come. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast. Many more streamers join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and uh, Truck Girl Jen. Have you decided on a name yet, Andy, by the way?
2: Uh, No, I don't know. I kind of like... What about what about a, a marriage of them both? What about automatic tiny?
1: That sounds. It sounds like an implement weird. you might carry on your belt. Oh yeah, all right. Something you like in a tool shed. Automatic. Yeah. Hey, I use my automatic tiny to get the top off.
2: That's true. That's true. I kind of like automatic handy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do too. I think I think that was a good one. Yeah, I automatic like it. Handy.
2: Thanks, Jen. You're to,
1: welcome. A, a Batteries included?
2: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Always. All right. Double just, A's. Just double so that's A's. That's what I got yeah. oh. to funny because I'm a D. A tiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have long enough to explain. <laughs> You're going to hate this. You're
1: going to hate this next story.
2: You ready? Mm. Here we go. Uh,
1: there's still much unknown data around the United States, but uh, study claims that crashes increased in states where marijuana is legal. Uh, as the more of the US legalizes uh, the sale of u- and use of marijuana some folks are asking the question how about it pertains to vehicle safety operating a motor vehicle under the influence of weed of course is a no-no uh, but the Instu- institute of uh, highway safety or the I should say the Insurance Institute of Highway, Highway Safety, the IIHS, has some uh, evidence to suggest that it's, a, it's leading to more crashes. And, of course, it's not quite that simple. There is a 25-page study. They did it over 10 years, from 2009 through 2019. Uh, it does show in this that states where marijuana is legal, you are uh, a lot more likely to have crashes, uh, 6.6% higher in those states uh, where legalized pot and fatalities go up by 2.3% on average. However, here's the deal. I'm sure in prohibition, accidents went down because the opportunity wasn't there to get your hands on alcohol and drink. I would, I think anybody in their right mind doesn't do anything and get on, you know, get into a car. I mean, if you drink and alcohol is more accessible to you, you are ready to be penalized and you should be penalized to drink and drive. It's yeah, the same yeah. where if you take mind-altering substances, prescription medication, great example yeah. that uh, you shouldn't drive with, uh, drugs, painkillers that you shouldn't drive with. And then yep. you drive, you should be
3: liable. Again, that's common sense. Yes,
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, something that my mom, my mom said she could solve all the world's problems with one word. What's that word?
2: Common sense. No, that's two words. No, no. no. <laughs>
1: well. Common, no. Sense, yeah, maybe. Uh, education. Everybody, it's, it's the lack of education from so many people that they don't understand. Um, and maybe it's just stupidity. Yeah, I mean, just I maybe, maybe that's what it is. Factor. But it looks like uh, there is. You know, but then there's also the states where, you know, m- there's medical marijuana and how does that affect it? There's states where marijuana makes up a large amount of legal uh, tr- or I- a large amount of transactions. So there are states where transactions happens. So there is, there is those things, too. I mean, there, you have to start considering those things when you do this. Uh, let's go on to brighter news. BMW is testing a uh, hydrogen prototype. It enters its road testing uh, phase. It's the BMW X5. It's coming to market late next year. BMW first announced its intentions to bring the production hydrogen-powered vehicle to market in September 2019, when they saw when we saw the first photographs of the prototype. It was uh, the iNext hydrogen, or the i say BMW's i hydrogen next. How do you guys feel about hydrogen?
2: is that is that the same stuff that makes other stuff really really cold
1: yeah well hydrogen is stored at a very low temperature so yes it's gas, it's a liquid at lower temperatures and yes but that's nitrogen what you use in the doctor's office andy oh nitrogen automatic that's what hey if it's automatic andy is automatic your first name Yes, it is. Okay, so automatic. That's what you use in the doctor's office to you know, when the dent have you ever had that where the dentist numbs a sprays something on a piece of uh, uh cotton? Yes. Yeah, the and then puts it on co- your yeah, teeth. Uh, that's yeah, nitrogen. I don't like it. That's that's nitrogen. No, so that's what powers the car? It's no, that's hydrogen. They're two different things. Oh. Hy- yeah. hydrogen they they're gases and they're both very cold when they're compressed. But nitrogen, um, is different yeah hydrogen no so hydrogen is a is a molecule that makes up water right we mix it with h2o so we mix it with two parts with oxygen you guys yeah. think you're
2: so smart
1: yeah we're sciency
2: so is that gonna is that that's, i feel like on paper yeah it's better for the earth
1: Ooh, when i agree yeah because what happens is you take the hydrogen off and you burn it mm-hmm. to create electricity
3: oh, that's okay. and,
1: and the byproduct is? Dirt. W- no, water. <laughs> <really> close. Yep. <laughs> See? Is the, the byproduct of a graveyard is dirt. Well. We all become it. I'm just checking. Yeah. <clears throat> Eventually, we all become... Dirt. dirt. Yeah. I yep. think
3: it's great if we can actually make it Jen work. Jen doesn't like
1: the funeral talk.
3: Go ahead. Well, <laughs> the Zeppelin was hydrogen, right?
1: Yeah, and that was a problem. Okay. Cause okay. Cause okay. I'm now with you. you. Now you're with us? Got yeah. you. Okay. okay. you got to be careful.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, if we can... Make some serious changes yeah, we to be that. I've you know, never heard
1: of a hydrogen car exploding or catching fire. Refueling seems yes. to be safe. I mean, we're pretty, right. we know how dangerous the gas can be if it's not controlled. And even with accidents now, they're making sure that v- hydrogen vehicles are crash safety. But gasoline's the same way. Correct. And actually, Correct. gas isn't flammable. Do you know that? You know, gasoline isn't flammable.
3: Did you know creamer's flammable?
1: Wait, Cri- stop. about creamer? I have know? questions. <laughs> We're going to light creamer when we go home just to check. Okay. Um, it ga- works. Ga- well, it can't be liquid creamer. No, it's the, li- powder. the powder. The powdered creamer powder. is yeah. flammable? Yeah. All right. Wait, stand by. I'm going to try that. <laughs> um, <laughs> gasoline <laughs> isn't flammable. Did you know that? And everybody on the radio is going, everybody who's listening to us right now is going,
3: we know, we know. Well, yeah, you got to light
1: a mat. No, it's got to have a spark. Ga- no, no, gasoline is not flammable.
2: Then what? What do you? Then why does it go on fire?
1: Because it's not the gasoline that's flammable. Wh- Did
2: you know that? What's? It, what is what it? Is then? it the
1: it's vent, the fumes. The
3: fumes. Yeah. The, the
1: gasoline itself doesn't burn. It's the fumes that come off of it that burn. I know. You can't actually light the liquid. You can't light the liquid. You can only light what comes off of the liquid. But it's still highly explosive. What comes it's off n- of the liquid? Nick Miles. Yeah. Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening to science today. <laughs> with Did Nick Miles? you learn that
3: from your drinks? You know, you, know, you like the drinks and.
1: Oh, I missed a whole section of Jen's life here.
2: Lighting drinks? What?
3: Yeah, you've never. You've never done that? You've never been to a bar where they light drinks?
2: Oh, I've definitely done that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've definitely done okay. that part. I feel yeah, like okay. I've missed Jen dancing
1: on the bar or something.
3: No. That, my, yeah. No. I, the person that I was with decided right. to dump it, and, and the we're out whole out of time. table caught
1: <cut> on fire. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a story we should have started the show with. Well, the wait, lighting of the fire of the drinks, and we yeah. got yeah. the hydrogen cars. I Ooh. think
3: hydrogen would be fantastic. I'm it excited fantastic. about it. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Well, the hydrogen cars are coming. Right now they're in California. Uh, Toyota has the Mirage. It's on sale right now for $50,000 for a hydrogen vehicle, but you've got to have a supply. Our Auto Expert is online. You can visit us 24-7 at our ourautoexpert.com. Ex- our our auto auto <laughs> and uh, the podcast is there, our TV videos. You can see Mike and I on TV all around the country. Also, you can read great stories from Perry, Mike, and our Voss. Uh, go read it. Go love it. Go listen to the old podcast. And so see you next week. You've been listening
0: to... To Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.
2: <laughs>